WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. With more than 35,000 people still without power after Monday's winter storm in central Virginia, we check in with one shelter keeping people warm in Madison County. CNN's Jim Acosta, Mary Trump, and Congresswoman Liz Cheney join a panel at UVA to discuss the shock of January 6th, 2021. And we survey the week in politics as Richmond gets set for a change of power next week. This is the WMRA Daily for Friday, January 7th. More than 35,000 customers are still without power in the uh, WMRA portion of central Virginia from Buckingham to Culpeper County. Outages occurred as a result of Monday's winter storm, and the extent of the damage caused by downed trees and power lines has made repairs difficult. Hardest hit is Louisa County, where 45% of customers are still without power as of early Friday morning. In Albemarle County, more than 11,000 are still in the dark and without heat. In Madison County, about 17%, 1,300 customers remain without power. And that's where WMRA's Randy B. Hagee went to check out one of the shelters that have been set up throughout the region. A small band of Madison County residents woke up on Wednesday morning to a breakfast of bagels with cream cheese, bacon, and fresh fruit served up in the Volunteer Fire Station, which opened an emergency shelter on Tuesday. By then, many locals had already been without power for 24 hours. So folks were desperate to be warm and to charge electronic devices for the most part. Valerie Ward is overseeing the shelter. She directs the county's Department of Social Services. This is our sleeping area where we have cots kind of spaced out to have as good a level of social distancing as we could have. We have, I believe, 15 cots in this room. Um, and as you see, normally this is a huge kind of ballroom in a fire hall where events are hosted. There's also a separate room set up with two cots in case they have someone come in with COVID-19 who needs shelter which thankfully hasn't happened yet. Nine people spent that first night with more popping in and out throughout the day to get a hot shower or water for their animals. They have needed to refill horse troughs. So um, luckily we have the availability to fill jugs of water out in the backside of the fire department. We have a a pretty strong community of homesteaders who are very self-sufficient and have wood stoves and have generators and have propane grills. Folks that are proud to be self-sufficient in every other arena, but they really are looking forward by day three to a hot shower. She said other people are bunking with family and friends until the power comes back on. We've heard tale of staying with family members who have had their power restored. We have neighbors who are kind of having giant sleepovers. Um, We've heard of community bonfires where folks are, you know, having a good time, keeping warm and burning brush. And then the folks that may not have local family member or natural supports are um, looking for us as a community to fill that gap. Daryl Gar, who lives about 15 minutes away from the fire station, said Rappahannock Electric Cooperative didn't know for sure when they'd get his house back on the grid. He spent Tuesday night at the shelter. Definitely a different experience, you know, not used to having, not having power for days at a time, but we've had a good experience here, though, and it's different, you know, because you're used to staying in your own home, but, you know, they, the people here are great, and they've um, made us feel at home, you know, pretty much catered to whatever we needed, so that it makes it all uh, definitely easier. 
Ward said there's been a huge outpouring of support for the shelter. We just got a call that just a citizen wanted to bake a lasagna for us. We've just been so humbled by the number of Madison County citizens that just stop by the shelter and ask what we need. You know, they're going to Food Lion. What, what can they drop back by? Some folks in the community have started a canned food drive to um, have us able to send folks back to their home when the power comes back on with some non-perishable goods. She anticipates keeping the shelter open through the weekend at least. As of Thursday morning, 28% of Rappahannock Electric Cooperative customers in Madison County were still without power and with more snow in the forecast. It's just wonderful to be a part of a community where it isn't just kind of local government. It's not just a Department of Social Services initiative. It really is a full community effort to take care of our own. Emergency shelters and daytime warming stations have also been established in Charlottesville and the counties of Albemarle, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, and Orange. We have links to information on each of these on our website. For WMRE News, I'm Randy B. Hagee. On the anniversary of the violent attack on the U.S. Capitol, UVA political scientist Larry Sabato asked a dozen experts to join him for a program called The Shock of January 6th. They shared some surprising and sobering thoughts. Virginia Public Radio's Sandy Hausman reports. Larry Sabato has spent more than 50 years studying politics from his post at the University of Virginia, and he set the tone for the evening's conversations with a real sense of alarm. If anyone needed any proof that conditions were deteriorating in our country, January 6th proved it in a horrifying way. His first guest, CNN correspondent Jim Acosta, agreed. Donald Trump stabbed America in the back on January 6th. He is a deeply disturbed The challenge, he said, is to keep telling the truth to convince the large number of Americans who think the election was stolen that Donald Trump cannot be trusted. The former president's niece, psychologist Mary Trump, said her uncle can never be convinced that he lost the election. It's completely hopeless because psychologically he is incapable of changing course. This is somebody who's willing to stop at nothing to protect his fragile ego. And Congresswoman Mary Cheney said some people may have been swindled by Trump and his backers to finance the attempted coup. You know, there are millions of people across the country who have been lied out of their money by Donald Trump and he continues to do it to this day. Sabato and many of his guests added that unless there are consequences for January 6th, there could be future violent attacks on government to come. I'm Sandy Hausman. During the January 6th insurrection one year ago, the Representative Elaine Luria evacuated her office in the Capitol after someone planted a pipe bomb outside her door. The representative of Virginia's 2nd District talked about the insurrection with partner station WHRO. This was essentially an attempt to overthrow the government, and we can't allow some bad actors in the future to actually be successful at something like this. Luria is on the House Select Committee to investigate the events of January 6, 2021. Well, across the Commonwealth, people are struggling to schedule in-person COVID-19 tests and find at-home test kits. Meanwhile, infections are at historic highs. BPM's Whitney Evans chronicled her search to get tested earlier this week. So I'm trying to test because I was recently in contact with somebody who later tested positive for COVID and my throat's been hurting and just feeling run down. Vaccination centers are closed because of the snowstorm. Looking at CVS Pharmacy, checking for available times Thursday. There are no available times at this location. I'm just going to keep going through the week. I'm not seeing anything. And at some point, 
you can schedule so far out that it might make more sense to isolate rather than to test. Checking to see if they have any at-home COVID test kits. So when you call the pharmacy, it says go online to see if we have the at-home tests at this location. But when you go online, it says visit your store to see if it's available. I'm gonna try to go to this patient first here. There are more people in the parking lot right now than there are parking spots. And I know this patient first is only accepting people who have symptoms. So I'm sure a lot of these people who are gathered here may also be having symptoms, not feeling well. I ended up spending four hours at the clinic. Uh, the lobby was completely full and the doctor who swabbed me did a rapid test and a PCR test. And that PCR test will take about four days to get back. She seemed really stressed. And when I asked her about it, she said, it shouldn't have to be this way. You shouldn't have to schedule a doctor's appointment to get your nose swabbed. For me, it was a headache, but there are a lot of other people who can't wait around for hours and days like that. Whitney Evans reporting. Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania made a commitment to reduce pollution in the Chesapeake Bay by 2025. One environmental group says they're in danger of failing. From partner station WHRO, Paul Bebo reports. The Chesapeake Bay Foundation said this week the three states are responsible for 90% of the pollution damaging the bay. Virginia and Maryland are generally on track to make their commitments. Pennsylvania isn't. But the story is more complicated than that. The CBF says Virginia's progress is mostly because it has upgraded wastewater treatment plants. But the state needs to do more to reduce agricultural runoff and pollution from cities and suburbs. Also, the state is losing forests, important filters of water. The CBF says Virginia is losing an area of forest the size of Richmond every year. Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin announced his pick on Thursday for Secretary of Labor, a cabinet role that will involve overseeing a Youngkin campaign promise to overhaul the beleaguered State Employment Commission. George Brian Slater, a veteran of both politics and state and federal government work, has been tapped for the job, the transition team announced. Slater served as Secretary of Administration for former Governor Jim Gilmore and as Director of Administration for the Attorney General's Office, also under Gilmore. Well, when the General Assembly convenes next Wednesday, lawmakers will debate a bill to allow local governments to set any salary they choose for people appointed to school boards. Virginia Public Radio's Michael Pope reports. The salary for school board members in Allegheny County is capped at $1,500. School board members in Danville are legally prohibited from being paid more than $600 a year, and the cap in Emporia is only $250. Republican Delegate Buddy Fowler of Hanover County says these salary caps for appointed school board members need to be removed from the code. I trust the local governments to be able to handle this and that I think it's just best to have whether you're an appointed school board or an elected school board, every everybody just be treated the same way. Most school board members in Virginia are elected and the salary for those local officials has no cap in Virginia code. But the code specifically mentions 12 counties and 15 cities and towns, setting different rates for each. 
Lutheria Smith is chairwoman of the Roanoke City School Board, which has a salary cap of $4,200. It's not something that our board is focused on, and I don't think anyone in our area seeks appointment based on that. So it hasn't been a priority for us. Fowler had some success with a similar bill a few years ago, but it didn't make it to the governor's desk. Now he says he's hoping to ditch those salary caps for appointed school board members once and for all. Uh, Michael Pope. Well, finally today, Virginia's outgoing and incoming governors have both been dealing with some criticism this week. Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch and Michael Pope have more on that and a preview of the General Assembly session Coming next week. Glenn Youngkin is filling his cabinet slowly, but he is filling it. One of his recent appointments has stirred up some controversy. Andrew Wheeler's nomination to be Secretary of Natural and Historic Resources. Jeff Shapiro, is that nomination going to see the light of day from the General Assembly? <laughs> Talk about coal in your Christmas stocking. I mean, here we are in, in the new year. Uh, Wheeler is a former coal industry lobbyist who ran the EPA for Donald Trump. Uh, this is creating three problems for Youngkin, this Wheeler nomination. One, of course, it sharpens the focus on the Trump-Youngkin axis. I mean, Wheeler is not the only ex-Trumpster who's been hired by uh, Glenn Youngkin. But Youngkin, of course, has gone to great lengths to sort of distance himself from the uh, the former president for a, mem- a number of the obvious reasons. Two, the, the Wheeler nomination really lays bare Republican hostility for the environment. And of course, Youngkin had already pledged to pull out of that green energy pact, uh, uh, which you know Virginia joined under the Democrats. And three, and to your concern, it sets up a confrontation with the Democrats who are spoiling for uh, spoiling in the Senate to reject Wheeler for this cabinet seat. So Virginia found itself in international headlines this week for a massive and historic traffic jam on I-95. Jeff Shapiro, what's the fallout from that? Well, you know, this has been a debacle of, of sorts for uh, Ralph Northern, the, the, the departing governor, uh, if only because at, at minimum, uh, you know, taxpayers' expectations about basic services. Now, there seem to have been some complicating factors here. They couldn't treat the roads ahead of time because of uh, rain, and then it turned to snow, which then turned to ice, and there were eight tractor trailers that jackknifed and multiple numbers of cars that went off the road. Uh, none of this really matters to ordinary Virginians. Hundreds of whom had to spend their nights in the car, their cars. And so the, it's important to point out that there is a feel your pain award that goes out here. And that's to Tim Kaine, the junior senator from Virginia. He was trying to return to Washington. Uh, and he sat through this in his car all night with, with everyone else refusing special treatment. So the General Assembly gavels into session next week. You and I and all the rest of the members of the press corps will be there at the Capitol. What can we expect from this upcoming General Assembly session? Uh, There's going to be a lot of ceremonial stuff. Northam's going to give his farewell speech on Wednesday night. I think you could argue his is a consequential governorship at, at times, seemingly more often shaped by events then by Northam himself, uh, blackface, the post-George Floyd racial reckoning, uh, this week, uh, Snow Macron. Uh, but we're already seeing, particularly from the Republicans, uh, what kinds of things they hope to accomplish with a, a, a new governor of their own party. 
rolling back uh, restrictions on firearms, new restrictions on firearms, uh, rolling back protections for LGBTQ students, uh, providing uh, protections for Virginians who don't want to be vaccinated for COVID and and other maladies. Uh, We're going to uh, be seeing some uh, flashpoints uh, uh, for sure, but we're also going to be seeing a new governor. He'll take office a week from Saturday, learning on the fly. All right. Well, that's all the time that we've got for this week. We will be back next week. My name is Michael Pope, and we've been joined by Jeff Shapiro of the Richmond Times-Dispatch. See you at the Capitol Building. Roger that. For WMRA News, I'm Bob Levicky. Thanks for listening. Stay safely connected, and I do hope you enjoy your Friday. Friday.